and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Say amen if you believe that with us. Life speaks seven, very important. We shall not make reference to them today as we dive in quickly into our desires. And today it shall be very, 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 very quick. And then I'll hand it over to our sister Josephine to lead us in prayer. Psalms 37 verses 4. We are on our desires part 2. Our desires part 2. We covered this yesterday. But we dive into this scripture first. Of course, Psalms 37 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. And I was reflecting on this. What, what do we really mean by delighting yourself in the Lord? Delight yourself in the Lord. Just reflect on it. Are you delighted? Are you delighting yourself in the Lord? Are you um are you delighted when God's things are mentioned? Are you delighted by God's ministry? Are you delighted by his kingdom? Because he's saying, delight yourself in the Lord. And he says, if that happens, he will give you the desires of your heart. Very, very, you know, short scripture, but very, very deep. And then we quickly go in uh to um uh, the book of Luke, chapter 11, 17, verses 11 to 19, which gives us a very important principle here as we talk about our desires and also gratefulness, which is what we are dealing with today, gratitude and desires. Yesterday we tackled the desires, and today we are diving into more the gratitude part of it. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Um, that's very important because the word is trying to paint a picture of where this was happening. That means it's important. When you see it, first of all, he was on his way uh, to Jerusalem. That means he was going somewhere. But then he decided to travel along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, you know, told us which village it was. It was just a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. Um, these ten men come, and the Bible says they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So these men, they come, they must have definitely heard about Jesus. They knew who he was. They had heard what he was doing, the miracles he was doing. And when they saw him coming into their village, they said, this is our time. This is our moment. And very important about the setting of something. Uh, they call out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So they stood at a distance, respectively. They had leprosy. They didn't want to come near him. So they stood at a distance. And then they called out and said, have mercy on us. And you know what? God responds to us when we call on him. This morning when we go to pray and we call on him, let's remember that our God hears us. Um, but we need to shout. We need to tell God to have mercy on us. If this man had not shouted, Maybe they would have stayed with their leprosy. Jesus was not going to just, you know, heal people who are not in, who are not um, who are not interested. So there's the shouting bit, you know, when the children of Israel got oppressed, they call on God and He heard. And this morning, as we go so to pray, let's call on Him for the mission. Let's call on Him for a breakthrough. For as we try, as we go to try to, to to travel, as we look for finances, even for the mission, let's call on God. Let's call on Him. He hears. He has mercy on us. These people say, have mercy on us. Then when he saw them, he said, go show yourself the priests. Again, very important thing. Jesus didn't tell them, now you are healed wherever you are. He, just, he told them, go show yourself. He told them, go take a journey. Do something. Move. Um, start going. Do something. 
And the Bible says, and as they went, they were blessed. As they obeyed. What's important here is the obedience. As they obeyed the word that had been spoken, they got healed. And this morning, brethren, as you obey God's word, start moving, you shall experience the blessings of God. You shall experience multiplication. It is it will not come to you when you are just seated on your table. It's as you obey God's word and do what he's saying that you do. It is in that doing that the healing begins to happen. Anyway, in verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we are not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want you to know, to notice this, um, that, that this man now became well. The others got cleansed. This one became well. So this scripture really brings this point around disaster. Remember in yesterday's uh, us, a workbook, we had said, you know, write 30 things that you are grateful for. Because gratefulness is such an important principle to working with God. Um, when we talk about having a relationship with God and connecting with God and, you know, dwelling in his presence, there are some things that actually um, invite or create an environment for God to continuously be with you. And one of those that is so important is a grateful heart. Is a grateful heart. And, uh, that's why we are spending three days on it, just focusing on it, desires and gratefulness. So, so powerful because once you get it and it becomes embedded in your life, your life just changes. It just miraculously changes. A grateful heart is the, one of the key ingredients for God just manifesting in your life. And the, here, these um, this men were having problems. They were sick. They were on, on their way. This, this disease would have killed them. It was a disease that once you have it, it was a lifetime disease. There was no cure for it. And these men are sitting there desperate, not knowing what's going to happen to them. It's a picture, again, of us. It's a picture of sin. Leprosy is always a picture of sin. That um, where you are sitting there, you are helpless. You can't do anything about yourself. And every single day you're heading towards your grave. Um, you know, completely unable to help yourself. Then Jesus comes and he cleanses you. So these men didn't have hope. They didn't have anything, you know. But Jesus came and he cleansed them. And as they went and they got cleansed, you would have expected, oh my gosh, you, this, you know, my life has been transformed, and I go back. The Bible says nine of them never came back. They just went. They disappeared. They went. One man who happened to have been a Samaritan, a grateful heart, and he says he came back to where Jesus was. And when he came back, uh, the Bible says Jesus asked, we are not ten, all of you cleansed. Where are the other nine? That means Jesus expected every one of them to come back and say thank you. And only one of them came. And as I was sitting there, you know, this you can you sometimes when you read this, we can ask ourselves, how could you, how could these people do that? How can you be cleansed of leprosy? And you don't come back to thank Jesus. How can you do this? We we sometimes feel like these guys were really ungrateful. How can you do this? But you know, brethren, we're doing it. Exactly. Every day I was thinking about that yesterday. God does things for us 
intervened for us. Maybe we are desperate, we didn't have jobs. God gives us a job. But once we start getting money and we start earning income, to even get a, a portion of that and give back to, to, to God or even help somebody is a struggle. You know, there's absolutely very little difference sometimes between us and these nine Samaritans. God takes care of you. He protects you a whole day. And, you know, you come back in the evening and you even you don't even remember when you know there are people that died on the road. You, again, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't remember. You are, you are, you are, you have a job when there's such a huge joblessness. Instead of being grateful for the job that you have, you're actually complaining, oh, this job and, you know, and whatever. And, you know, you, yet there are thousands who are desperate for even, maybe even a half of what you get, you know. They, they, you know but now, because you are used to it, it doesn't look to you like something that you should be grateful for. You have a family. You have children. Then you come home and there's family. There are people without children. There are people spending millions trying to do, um, you know, try to, to use science to, to get a child. You have a child, you have a wife, and there are people who have got no wives, there are people who have got no spouses. You have a father, there are people who don't have, you have a mother, there are people who have never seen their mother. And, you know, you have one. So there's so much to be grateful for. But what happens, we just tend sometimes to be like these nine men. Jesus looked at him and said, you know, we are not all of you cleansed. Where are the other ones? Which means God expects us to be grateful. He expects us to come back. And when you live from a position of gratefulness, number one, you never, you rarely have conflict. Because you know what? You're expecting nothing anyway. You are, you are, you are, you are, you are just grateful for, for everything that happened to your life. You, every time you hear of conflict, even in the homes, um, you know, in between families, is when we have stopped being grateful for each other, when we begin to take each other for granted, when you start taking the love of your friend and your relationships for granted, when you even, by the way, you can even take a ministry like this one for granted. You can take it for granted. Um, you know, a, a platform like this that God is using to bless us, it can reach a point where you, you know, you're not grateful, it's just normal, and, you know, you're not really grateful about it. We always tend to be like this night, but I believe, brethren, if you can master the heart of being grateful, where, you know, you always wake up in the morning and look, start from the positive side. Everything has a positive, even the negative, even the most painful. When you look at it, they will always have a, a positive spin. And uh, um, I'm sure, by the way, these lepers may have been very grateful, but they, they never came back. So you can be grateful and you don't show it. You can be actually very grateful and you don't show it. But here Jesus is saying, were they not also cleansed the other nine? That means Jesus expected them to come back. So the idea of coming back to be grateful, to demonstrate, the point is that you need to demonstrate your gratefulness. You cannot say, oh, but Jesus, of course, you know I'm grateful for the job. No, come back. Coming back is, you know, coming and doing something. This man came and he knelt before Jesus, Bible says he threw himself 
at Jesus' feet. I pray that, you know, on Sunday, you know, when we meet for our services and fellowship, we can see people throwing themselves at the altar because of gratefulness. They, this man came, he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. You know, when you live from that, whether it is in our giving, in serving God, in whatever opportunity that God gives us, let's throw ourselves at it. Throw yourself at it. Throw yourself before God and be, you know, be grateful for, for, for what God is doing in your life. You know, these men, they, are, they were grateful, but they never came back. And God wants us to come back. The act of coming back is very, very powerful. That's why we need to come. We need to be involved. If Jesus has helped you, how can we not come back and help other people? So we go for missions. We don't just go for missions for the sake of going. We are going, we are throwing ourselves because Jesus saved us. He, he came to us when we were lost. People paid money to come and speak to us. That's how we are born again. Now that we are being born again, we are grateful. We want to go back to my kingdom boys and everywhere we shall go, just to stand there and help somebody. Whatever little we can do, but we are throwing ourselves because we are grateful to what God did to us. And so this morning, as I bring this to a close, we need to make sure that we live from a position of gratefulness. You have food, you have shelter. Brethren, if you are you are healthy, you're not in a hospital, you're not on a drip, you know, you're not on, on, on crutches, um, you're not on chronic medication, you are not on, you know, you have safety, you have relationships, you have friends that you can call and they pick your phone. You know, the, you have a fellowship like this, you have belong to a church somewhere, a community of God or believers. We have got so much to be grateful for. We have a nation, we have leadership, we you know, we, we have a country where you know where we there's order, there's leadership, we, we have elections and we have them every time on time. We are, we're not on a military regime or you know, there, there's so much to be grateful for, even in the challenges that we have as a nation. I was reading yesterday another country has just woke up and they postponed the elections just like that. You know, can you imagine, you know, we're so grateful that, you know, we, we, we can exercise our democratic rights and as challenging as our nation may be. And brethren, God has blessed us as a nation. We are far, far away. We have come from very far and we have a lot to be grateful for. When you live in a position of gratefulness, you begin to appreciate everything that God does for you. And I believe it opens doors. As your gratefulness increases, the intensity of issues decreases. Things look very serious just because you're not being grateful. Even that misunderstanding that you have with your, with your friends, your relationship, they look so big because you have stopped being grateful. And when you start being grateful for what she has done for you, she's taken care of you, she's given you, you know, back to your children, taken care of them, continuous being there for you. You know, when you start seeing what she has done for you or what he has done for you, the little problems that you have, you'll be able to overlook. And all of a sudden, what looked like a very serious thing becomes very small. Even the, 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 the fights in the office, whatever it is, they can look very, very big when you stop being grateful. And when you begin from a position of gratefulness, everything diminishes and all of a sudden you are peace from God. And so this morning, I want to request that we spend some time. It's actually one of the most important exercises today where we need to continue listing down what you are grateful for, and also your de the desires that you have in your heart. Stay two, and this time around, we encourage you to stretch yourself to 101 of them, 101 
desires. You take a book and you're writing, you're writing down the things that you desire. But you're beginning from a place of gratefulness. What are you grateful for? You know, then start listing 101. You can ask why 101? Because it has been proven. The moment you go beyond 100, this as you enter into a spiritual realm where the desires that you are putting on that piece of paper are not just desires. And I'm telling you, everything you write there, be careful what you write as your desire because you'll see God making it come to pass. Very important exercise. Of all the exercises we're going to do here in this 29-day challenge, this is it. Find some time. Write the desires that you have and keep going until you reach 101. You reach 101. You desire God to do for you a house. What's in your heart? Keep going deep. Keep going deep, deep, deep. When you finish um, um, the, the, the be desires, look, look at do desires, the have desires, the give desires. When you finish that and you are still running out of it, look at maybe the, 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 the three months, the short term, the media term, the long term. Just keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. Because you know what? God will grant us the desires of our hearts. And it's important we go deep inside ourselves to figure out what is it that we really want. When you finish this and you're running out of, you've not reached 101, use this list here. Start looking again at your family. What do you desire for your family? Keep writing it down. You want your children to grow up and be responsible. You want your children to make it in school and to be good citizens. You want your children to rise up and be family men and love God and, 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 and do tough. You know, just keep writing. Then go to your relationships. What do you like your relationships to be? Just put it down. Your faith. What do you like to do for God this year? Maybe you are saying, I want to, you know, touch people. I want to get, join that ministry and maybe join the ushering ministry, join the worship team, join the choir. Just keep writing, 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 writing until you are able to reach 101. And then we'll pick it up from there tomorrow. Do spend some time today. Reach 101. When we finish this challenge, we'll come back and see how many of us reached 101. Desires, you know, booklets um, where you're writing your notes. And as we do that, you'll be amazed at what's going to happen in Jesus' much name. So I'm going to reach there, take it all the way.